Hey, everybody. Tom and Keith, thanks for uh, tuning into the podcast. Spread the word if you haven't uh, already done so, and uh, we appreciate it. And I would also appreciate the uh, fine folks at the Dunlap Champions Club, KJ. They uh, have very much stepped up. That allows us to present this, uh, shall we say, commercial-free is that the proper way of saying it? I think it is. It Without is. commercial interruption. There you go. Uh, hopefully you test drove the uh, the premium club seats that are the, the Champions Club during the spring game. Maybe you went to Doke after dark. Maybe you've been to some of the uh, the pillar events. They just had Dalvin Cook honored. They're going to have one for Coach Bowden coming up. Uh, I do need to point out they've got half-season tickets on sale for this coming year. So uh, for that, you get Miami or Louisville and then any two of the remaining four home games. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all. And again, if you need a private tour, if you just want to go up there and look around call Seminole boosters uh, i'm sure jerry and his crew will make sure that they get somebody out there to show you around you will be impressed if you've never set foot in that structure should point out the half season uh, tickets uh, are 750 that's what makes it a good deal there could if you want to test drive it you can visit seminoles.com backslash tickets or call 583-9066 line one to buy your tickets and schedule that private tour now without further ado Drum roll, please. This week's front row. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Good evening, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. Greetings, Mr. Jones. Greetings, Mr. Block. All I am going to offer is a tease to our listeners that simply put or simply stated goes like this. Uh Uh-oh. Had we recorded a radio show last weekend when we were together in Tampa, Mm. it would have been after hours listening only, I do presume. Historic. Jonathan Chalace of Seminoles.com fame. Got married last weekend in Tampa, and so the entire Florida State radio crew was down there for what was a good time had by all. And beyond sharing those details, we will move along with the program. And much like we've talked about before, you know when you have ladies and they go out for a bachelorette party, they they even give out cameras and everybody takes photographs or shoots videos, and it's a great thing. There were no videos allowed at the reception of one Chalet's wedding, and hopefully none surface. None of us are at the Derek Jeter level, but isn't that the reports on, you know, if you go to a party at his house, you got to drop your cell phone Is that at, the, works? at the door okay. on the way in so that nothing escapes. Kind of like when you used to have to go to church 100 years ago, you left your gun in the, in the, in the vestibule. Well, 100 years ago, I wasn't involved in that. But Just saying. Enough about us. Let's talk about you, meaning uh, sports, which is why you guys are tuned in here. Florida State Sports. Tim Linefeller, Seminoles.com Insider, will, of course, join us next segment. Busy time on the sports calendar. We're going to talk some uh, FSU golf a little bit later in the program. But the ACC meetings are going on right now. And as a starting point, for those of you whose glass is always half empty and are convinced that doom and gloom in the end is near regarding the ACC network or other things or the collegiate sports bubble bursting, the fact that conference meetings are held at Amelia Island and in the case of the SEC in Destin and in the case of the Big Ten out in Phoenix, that should be a first indicator that things are still going okay in college athletics. I heard or saw a report, heard a report that the room rate at Amelia Island was 509 per night. I'm going to tell you, I've been to that, that facility. I've been there numerous times. It ain't 509. It's not thirty nine ninety nine either. Yeah. Point being, there's some money flowing and people are taking advantage of it. Has anything uh, 
caught your attention thus far? You know, we, we mentioned last week that unlike years past where we were talking about conference realignment for the ACC or a grant of rights or the ACC network, much of that's done and that ship has sailed, so to speak. So I, we didn't anticipate that there would be huge news. And thus far as we record this, there hasn't been. The only thing that I read that was of interest to me is uh, UNC head basketball co- coach Roy Williams said it was a waste of time. Now, I'm, <laughs> I, I am glad that you read this because I saw this too. Matter of fact, he showed up on Monday. The meeting started Tuesday. He flew back out Monday because he was receiving a National Coach of the Year award. And I didn't read Coach K's comments, but it strikes me, Keith, that if you're Roy Williams and Coach K and you are the basketball gods that helped create the ACC into what it is, it has to be hard to accept that the the television revenue is 80% based on football and 20% on basketball, which is to say Jimbo and Dabo are more important and critical to the ACC than Roy Williams and Coach K. And that's just the reality. Two points. Number one, I personally believe that Roy's absence, showing up and then leaving, and then not being there on Tuesday when he was supposed to be there, was a statement because, technically speaking, the basketball coaches did not vote on moving from 18 games to 20 games in the regular season. Oh, and they were upset about it. And they were annoyed. So that's his protest. The second thing that I think that is interesting is that this year, Jimbo is chair of the football coaches' meetings. Can you imagine how those meetings would go if someone said something he didn't like? Well, he seems pretty laid back. This is a different Jimbo than what you get in the middle of the season. I understand, but it just – and I don't mean that in a, in a negative kind of way, but I can just imagine Jimbo running a meeting. He has an agenda, and if it gets away from the agenda – then he's going to make sure it gets back on agenda pretty quick. Uh, the only well, thing, what, the what, only thing that came out of his comments, and and I, you and I were talking about this before we went on the air, and I predicted that this will get get retreat, re, rebroadcast, retweeted, or whatever. Is the headlines going to say Jimbo hates early signing period because he did say that? What the rest of the comment was is he he doesn't like it being in December. He wants it in August, which is what I've been advocating for for however long we've been on this station. Well, you know, it's sort of like any time you change, like the college football playoff, we had to start with 15 years of the BCS with two teams. Now we've gone to four. They're not going to just go to 16 and then say, you know what, that was too much, let's back off. So here we have, they adjusted the signing period. Everybody wants an early signing period. We moved up two months, which really didn't. It's still after a high school prospect senior season. It is a bad time of year for coaches. It moved it up by six weeks. It's not really doing a whole lot other than we're talking about it. It should be in August. But it's a part of the process, and so I guess all of us should just take a, take a, take a breath and relax. It does strike me that Jimbo leading these meetings, and a lot of what they're talking about is points of emphasis and officiating and that type of stuff. When we go to the ACC kickoff, the supervisor officials for the ACC will pull out a videotape and demonstrate – this is pass interference, and this is why, and this is targeting, and this is why. And though I never charted it, Florida State frequently would show up in those videos as the offender. About every third play is, oh, this is why that's a clip. This is So if Jimbo is running the meeting, that video won't have one offending FSU player involved. It will be every call. Well, when that, we get up every, there, we'll every, watch. Every non-call by an FSU opponent. I mean, it'll be a great list. And how about here's this? what Louisville did. Here's what Clemson did. How about here's this? Every did. time they're sitting there, just remember Jimbo's sitting there going, Trey Marshall was suspended for the first half of the Alabama game. 
Trey Marshall was suspended well, and for the first half of the Alabama that, game. Everybody's reporting that right now. That's not news. When it happened after the Orange Bowl, everybody knew. Everybody knew, but it's being, you know, we're in this time of year where everything gets trotted out as, as if it's new, including silly season. Notre Dame's going to join the ACC. This is this is actually the most substantial, interesting yeah. discussion point that's and going I, on I right now. I think I read this morning that either the president or the athletic director of Notre Dame released a statement here in the last 24, 48 hours that that is not the case, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you what my opinion is, and then we'll let it go because everybody will have their own. Notre Dame will continue to be independent until they get into a position the first time when they feel like they've been cheated out of the playoffs because they didn't belong to a conference, i.e., Florida State goes 12-1, and one, Notre Dame goes 11-1, and one. And, and Florida State's the number four seed and Notre Dame's the number five seed, as an example. Or Notre Dame receives approximately $15 million a year from NBC for their television contract. NBC has – that's the last hold of any significance that NBC has on the college game. At some point, NBC is going to go, we're not going to be a college game player. We're going to let that go. One of those two happens, Notre Dame will be in the ACC immediately. I agree. And to expound upon that last point, so the 15 mil a year, that contract runs through 2025. So a natural breaking point, if Notre Dame was going to come in, would be the following year, which is not to say it would be announced then. It would have to be announced three or four years prior. At whatever point you'd normally be in the negotiation process to extend the NBC contract. The other thing is by that time, I mean, ACC schools are getting plus or minus 25 mil in TV revenue right now. Once the ACC network launches, that number is going to be up to four, between 40 and 50 mil. Does Notre Dame care if they're still down there? Well, here's what happens. Getting half as much. Here's what happens. It's 2019. Oh, by the way, does that date have any resonance? When does that contract run out? 25. So that's six years. Six times 15 is 90. ACC pays them $90 million and brings them into the fold. Don't think that's not being talked about as well. This is all obviously purely speculative on everybody's behalf, which is what we do in May and June. But let me ask you this question. Because anytime Notre Dame into the ACC gets mentioned, the second question comes up, well, who else is going to join? Connecticut. My question to you is, would the ACC not be better served in that scenario dropping a school and getting down to 14 instead of adding a school and getting to 16? That's a fair fair assessment and argument and question i just firmly believe for no other reason than permutations and combinations that 16 is your magical number for the conference and the reason i said quickly connecticut is one of the things that that will happen when notre dame comes in is notre dame's female programs are dominant programs you bring in yukon with their dominant ladies on the basketball court, their women's program on the basketball court, you have well-rounded your conference in a number of ways for naysayers and others to not pick it apart. And I just think it's a natural fit. That's my personal opinion. Well, and that's the school that's most speculated about. I just wanted to throw that out there because there was commentary maybe a year ago from Boston newspapers or Boston media as BC was going through its winless ACC football season backed up by a winless conference basketball season that basically said bc can't keep up with the joneses even with the acc money they would be better served dropping down a tier now i'm not suggesting anybody from bc ever mentioned that 
But if and when, Notre, of course, if Notre Dame joins, that would be an incentive for BC to stay, given their rivalry. So I don't know where you go from there. And it's I'm, just all good I'm throwing it out in jest because I can't see a meeting where they get together and vote a school out, though it would be interesting. All right. Do you know what's coming up this weekend? I'm, I'm thinking it's got something to do with food. Tallahassee Pizza Festival. It's in Trolley, May 20th, with the pizza sauce dunk tank. We should volunteer for that. I think you just did. If Matt Thompson is is listening, you are officially scheduled now for the Pizza Sauce Dunk Tank sometime between 4 and 8. Oh, wait a minute. Just check my phone. I'm out of town. (laughs) you got to check the mailbox. That's how you communicate. Anyway, uh, the moral of the story is Centrale Italian Parlor is sponsoring. That'll be a good time uh, down on Madison Street, College Town uh, this weekend. Encourage you to go. If you don't want to participate in the pizza festival, then just stop by, make your lunch plans, uh, and frequent Centrale. Is that 11 under 11 still going on or something like that? It is. It is. 11 items for 11 bucks. See, I can remember money, too. That's not all 11 items for 11 bucks. Oh. That's 11 items that are each 11 bucks or under. All right. Got to reconfigure. We'll come back and talk to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, right after this. Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the Front Row as we crank up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Tom? Timmy, do you get a little movement in your hips when that when that music comes on? No, there's the... I, you know, I, I kind of like that. I no, was I'm wondering what it was going to be. We've, we've sort of had a, a revolving door of, of songs for the last couple of weeks, and so now it's it's kind of exciting for me to see what you guys are. That's the uh, this will be the off season walk up. We thought about going with the sound of silence appropriate for <laughs> baseball right now but we decided we or, or maybe crickets chirping in the background we're not going to start with baseball though i'm going to start with a very open-ended question that allows you to expand as you would wish what you got featured on seminoles.com right now tim well a lot actually uh and it'll all be coming in the next couple of days it's a surprisingly busy time of year believe it or not with uh women's golf off at ncaa national softball uh getting going it's with their ncaa regional this weekend uh, a little bit of baseball, as you mentioned, up on the site right now. And then actually, uh, just the other day, I had a chance to chat with uh, with Josue Matias. Uh, you'll remember him, an offensive lineman here at Florida State, who uh, recently finished up his degree uh, and actually graduated a couple weeks ago. So I got to talk to him about uh, the, uh, that process and, and finishing up his schoolwork while, uh, while still working out with the Tennessee Titans and rehabbing from an injury. So that was pretty cool, and that'll all be coming, uh, some of it today uh, and some of it in the next couple of days. Good stuff there, and good to hear that Matias came back and got his degree. Devontae Freeman uh, has been working on that too, hasn't he? He has. A lot of those guys uh, really have. And, you know, and again, I know I probably sound like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of towing the company line here, but, uh, but in talking to Josue the other day, he, he really had a lot of really great things to say about the academic staff uh, at FSU and, and their willingness to kind of keep working with him and, and uh, you know, provide him with sort of the, the, the structure that he needed to. You know, get those classes and, and do everything he needed to do to stay on the right track, even though he's 
you know, a few hundred miles away and then obviously focused on his professional career still. So that's kind of a cool thing. I tell you, I have the opportunity when I travel with basketball to travel with some of those academic folks because they'll hold uh, study halls and, 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 and study sessions while the team is traveling. And uh, I, I echo that. Uh, Charlie and that group uh, do a phenomenal job of uh, staying on top of things and helping these kids uh, you know, kind of maneuver through all of the things that uh, uh, are, are, you know, uh, begging for their time and, and needing their time and how to manage that time. Uh, it's a far different world than when, what, 35, 38 years ago when I set foot on campus. I guess there's no reaction. Tim, did we? He was speechless. I just left him speechless. Tim and I were both trying to process, you know, what it was like during your time. And that, that's what we came up with. No, it is. I think speechless the, again. The point is, there is truly an army. I, I, I don't know that the uh, the average person knows that this is. This goes to a bigger discussion. We can have it now. Uh, sometimes you get into conversations with people talking about how student athletes, not just at FSU, but in general, everything's sort of handed to them on a silver spoon. They eat for free. You know, they they're on TV, that sort of stuff. And I, I want to just send them an agenda and say this is what their life is just like. Spend a week with them. They they work out before they go to class from 8 to noon. What they eat is monitored. They're in practice from 1 to 5. Then they eat dinner, and that's monitored. And then they have mandatory study hall unless they have a certain GPA. And that's without getting into community and media responsibilities. The point is, uh, yes, there's a great benefit to being a student athlete, but it's not as if these people don't work hard for what they get. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good way to put it. And, you know, look, it's like anything else in life. Uh, it, you you kind of get out what you put into it. And certainly if, if you, you know, your approach, your your school works seriously, and if it's important to you, like it was to, to Sway, like he was saying, um, you know, you, there are some really good ways to take advantage of those opportunities. So, uh, you know, I think it's, like I said, I think it's a really cool thing, uh, especially for a guy like him um, who had been gone for a couple of years and, and easily could have gotten wrapped up in the, the uh the you know the, the hustle and bustle of the nfl life and then not to give away too much but he did say you know he has dealt with a knee injury uh, over the last year and he said that was a uh, kind of a blessing in disguise because it gave him an opportunity to uh to spend some more time uh with his schoolwork and uh and, and they're working out pretty well for him so uh so yeah like you said there's a there's a lot of uh you know a lot of good opportunities for guys here um but you know it's, it's not just you can't just coast through on the lazy river and end up with uh you know with with a degree or whatever else the case may be you sought to take advantage and and you know do your part and, and meet halfway or, or if not more than that to uh, to fully take advantage of those opportunities all right well moving forward we've got uh, some teams that are traveling but one that is going to be home this weekend is the uh softball team hosting uh their regional uh give us a little insight what are we looking at well, I'm glad you asked I was just out there uh, a few hours ago talking with them uh, before their practice uh, it's kind of an interesting deal with the softball team because, uh, not to say that the regional is not a big deal anymore because obviously it is, but this team is just throughout has had such bigger goals and, and bigger, uh, I guess, ideas in mind for what they want to accomplish this season than the regional. Uh, you know, you, you almost have to this time of year remind yourselves that, Hey, you know, this is the postseason, and, and you, know, you can flip up and, and all of a sudden everything can get, you know, end a lot faster than you intended it to. So uh, they said all the right things as far as you know, taking every opponent seriously. And it feels like, you know, in softball, maybe more than some other sports, when we, you know, we all kind of roll our eyes at the at anything can happen cliche. Uh, but I do think that that is in play somewhat here. Uh, you know, look no further than uh, Georgia, who was one of the, the teams in Florida State's regional, uh, is a team that upset Florida in the Super Regional last year in Gainesville. Uh, and, you know, everybody knows Florida, sort of the, the juggernaut and the national championships and all that. 
Uh, that team that knocked off Florida in Gainesville is now in Tallahassee for, uh, for this weekend's regional. So I think that has Florida State's attention, uh, which is probably a good thing. On the women's golf side, we're going to chat with uh, Coach Amy Bond a little bit later on, so we'll leave you uh, <clears throat> off the hook there. And the men's golf is competing in its third round, as, as uh, or not even teed off as we're recording this uh, show earlier today. So I'll, I'll leave that one alone. What would you like to add about baseball as they go on the road at Louisville in light of what happened this past weekend? And, Tim, you and I had a text exchange where I, I admitted that my glass had been half full and it moved to half empty in light of uh, Sunday's game against Wake. My uh, my glass is the same as it's been uh, you know for a couple months now, and I think I said this last week, and I know maybe people are rolling their eyes or tired of hearing it, but it's to the point where, where yeah, like I, I don't I don't think they're reaching the expectations that they wanted with this roster. But as long as the roster is intact, uh, you know you can't rule out the uh, the idea that, that the pieces could come together and, and maybe this team could make a run. I know we we brought up the uh, the Virginia thing probably a few too many times. Uh, but I mean, that kind of is what it is, right? Uh, you know, you, you sort of have to, to hope that the uh, I mean, all the different pieces sort of get, or the, uh, the the ingredients get poured into the beaker, so to speak, and you find something good. Uh, maybe that can start this weekend at Louisville. Maybe not. Uh, we'll see. I mean, at this point, I think you're almost you know you're just about guaranteed to be going on on the road to the regional anyway. Um, and you know, when you, when you look at some of those those projections, you know, the half four state going to Lexington, Kentucky, or Auburn, or wherever, and you see some of the other teams that are in those regionals, I don't think anybody would look at them and say, gosh, that's, that wouldn't be a winnable regional. That, that we couldn't see this team coming out of that because, I mean, I think they could. Um, so, you know, not to say that you're not disappointed with the way things have gone, and I think you can kind of tell, you know, Mike Martin after, uh, after Sunday's game against Wake Forest was about as disappointed as I've seen him after a loss, certainly in the regular season. So yeah, it's not an easy time for them, but uh, I, I don't know what to say other than and, until they're knocked out for good, uh, I still think that there's a, a chance that, that they could turn things around just because of the roster and the pieces they have in place. And, and by the way, Tyler Holton, uh, who you talked to last week, uh, I mean, he's been a revelation as an everyday player. Uh, and so, you know, that could be you know a boost moving forward as well. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to say that everything is great. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I still think that there's reason to keep paying attention to him and, and maybe they can turn things around. It's not too late. I thought it was nice of Tyler after that complete game shutout on Saturday when in the post game he attributed the success to his appearance on the front row. Did you catch that, Keith? I, mean, I, I, I just thought it was a nice gesture that he remembered I, I, that. I, I think the $20 I gave him. Oh, see, now we got to get compliance on the line. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, i got to hang up. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Tim, uh, again, and I, I tend to be glass half full, but if FSU loses – it's remaining five games, three against Louisville and two in the ACC tournament. Are they guaranteed an NCAA bid? I think so. Uh, that has been a topic of conversation uh, around with some of the other uh, folks in the media. We've been sort of wondering. I think that they would be, uh, but I offer that with the caveat of I wouldn't want to test that theory. Uh, you know, uh, I think they would do really, really well to win at least one game uh, against Louisville this, uh, this weekend. Uh, and really a game in the ACC tournament too. But I, I believe that even with uh, if they were to lose out the rest of the, the regular season in the ACC tournament, I still think that they would make it probably as a, you know, as a, a bit lower in the overall seeding than they would have been. Uh, but uh, I would be surprised if they didn't make it. But again, uh, you know, the, the, this the is why you is, play the game. <laughs> well, exactly. But, but you know, what makes you nervous is you look back at, at North Carolina last year, who, uh, who had a similar record, I think was 19th in the RPI. Uh, and didn't make the NCAA tournament. Now that team didn't make the ACC tournament, which I think had a big part uh, part of it. And I think to a, to a degree, it might have just been an oversight 
by the committee. Uh, but that's what would keep me up at night if I did lose my next five games. Uh, even still, I, I don't see it happening. I think they'll make it regardless. Pardon me. I have a question. Go ahead, Mr. Jones. The floor is yours. Who are you and what have you done with Tom Block? <laughs> Mr. Tom Block? Tom Block says, Ask. what happens if we lose the next five? Your glass is not half empty. Somebody stole your glass. They gave you a sippy cup. Well, I've been waiting for you to come back from the bar with the with the with the drink I asked you to order Holy from last weekend. Moly. Hey, by the way, we, we mentioned Shalace's wedding at the top of this show. Uh, was was there any prominent feature on Seminoles dot com that uh, former Seminoles dot com staffer Jonathan Shalace uh, got uh, married last weekend? I keep waiting for him to send in his uh, his Shalace in your face report from uh, the wedding. I think that would be the only no 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 no. We've already covered this. There were no videos and no photos allowed. He will have to send you something from wherever his honeymoon is. <laughs> none, none that you saw anyway. Yeah. Well, well very good well point. said. All right, let's jump over to Amelia because that sounds like a good place to be. Maybe my glass will get half full again if I think about being an Amelia right now, Keith. Tim, I'm going to try and summarize what's come out of the ACC meeting so far. Uh, Stan Wilcox has confirmed that he's not worried about the stadium in Atlanta being finished on time. We'll play the Alabama game there. Uh, all the ACC coaches like the proposed redshirt rule of four games at any point in the season. And none of the ACC coaches like the early signing period in December, though they like the idea of an early signing period overall. And I think that's where we are. What and Roy Williams doesn't like and the meetings Roy, at and all. Roy Williams thinks the meetings are pointless, which is why he just showed his face briefly on Monday and then cruised. Did we cover it all? <laughs> that sounds about right to me. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything too terribly surprising. Uh, the stuff with the stadium, well, one, I, I think the stadium will get done, uh, mainly because, you know, it has to. Uh, but two, if, if they were really concerned, I don't know that you would be hearing about it uh, at this time of the year. Uh, as far as the, uh, the, the red shirt type stuff, uh, like any coach is going to be in favor of anything that gives more flexibility uh, in terms of roster and give you a little bit of leeway for a potential injury, anything like that. I did watch Jimbo's video on the uh, on the, the early signing period. I think his point was doing it in December. Uh, it just kind of doesn't really make a big enough difference. Uh, it, it's still pretty close to national signing day at that point. So, otherwise, you know, it seems I'm actually surprised, and maybe this will come uh, you know when the commissioner speaks. I'm surprised there hadn't been more. Uh, come up about the uh, the ACC network and, and all the stuff going on with ESPN, but I suspect we'll hear about that before too terribly long. Well, that's with all the the private meetings that were going on last year, uh, leading up to the announcement uh, in uh, in uh, Charlotte uh, during the ACC kickoff. Uh, I think all that's been done. We fi- we have sure. figured it out. Well, I just mean in terms of uh, with everything that's been going on at ESPN over the last uh, month or so. Uh, if anything has changed regarding the status quo with the TV network. Let me ask you this question, Tim. I don't know if we discussed this, but when ESPN had the layoffs, a couple days later, that memo gets circulated that Swafford sent to everybody around the ACC. Swafford's pretty much airtight, so it strikes me that that was an intentional leak from the ACC office. What say you? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I, you know. I always wonder how these memos get out in the first place. Uh, but but there were never any memos out that Syracuse was joining the ACC. No, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, whether it was intentional or not, it's the type of thing you probably don't mind getting out there. Well, the bigger point there is that may have been the statement from Swafford about the ACC network that that got leaked, and that's where we stand, and we're full speed ahead. Yeah, and, and but to me, it also kind of goes back to the stadium thing. Is it still the launch is far enough ahead in the future? Uh, I don't know that, that uh, it's even possible to say – how the, the the ESPN situation right now will will affect that uh, just in terms of 
you know, there's, there's a lot that can change between now and then, and, and you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see. Uh, but I would expect, given, uh, you know, the, the, the league's relationship with the ACC, and look, ESPN's still going to want to show ACC football games and ACC basketball games, uh, and that's going to happen regardless of who's hosting Sports Center. Uh, I got to think that still is a, you know, a pretty strong weight in the ACC's corner. Tim, thank you as always uh, for your insight. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you. He is our Seminoles.com insider. You can find his work there. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Linnefelt, which is L-I-N-A-F-E-L-T. We will react and ramble on when the show rumbles on right after this. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. We continue here on the front row. Tom and KJ with you. Women's golf coach Amy Bond will join us next segment. We'll wrap up. Well, we're not wrapping up the conversation. We're reacting to the conversation we just We're had. finishing we're, up our Amelia Island meetings. Our thoughts. Yes, and uh, in full disclosure, uh, as you're listening, we recorded a few hours early today, KJ, so there is potential that some news broke. I'm not sure what that might be. That's why you call it breaking news. But uh, based on what we've discussed so far, thoughts? Two things. Number one, uh, I think this red shirt rule change is going to get a lot of traction and get uh, moving very, very quickly. In other words, I, I suspect by literally 2018, season 2018, we will have a change red shirt rule. Uh, as I understand it, it's got to go through a couple of committees, but then the big vote is in January at the main NCAA meeting. And the second thing is uh, the, the signing period, now that coaches know there is an early one and some coaches don't like where it is, I think those coaches will join the ones that were wanting the earlier signing period, somewhere plus or minus in August. Uh, the downside to that, as you looked up, is that the current rule has to be in place for two years. I they, think that's what I heard, Jim. They only, they only yeah. vote on those every two years. So that will be with us for a little while. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, and I, too, think that will get traction and get changed. And the bigger picture of all of that goes all the way back to the autonomy issues uh, of of the, the, the big five. And, and they're now seeing that they can create some momentum and get some things going and make change happen, remembering that three, five years ago you had to get all 300-and-something NCAA institutions to agree – to these type of changes, and I think we're just can now consider, uh, seeing the the reality of uh, the autonomy that the bigger uh, schools but larger conferences were looking for. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that someday when you're king, here's what you're going to do. So if you're king, what else do we need to get changed here? Well, the, the, the two things that, that I would change immediately, one we've already talked about, is that early signing period. I, I, I mean, December's a good move, but August is better. Uh, is better. Uh, that way, what you're doing there is you're not doing it for the schools and for the coaches. You're doing it for the kids. Because even though we've got that earlier signing period in December, anyone who has committed is still going to be recruited by everyone else trying to get them to flip their commitment during their playing season. 
Right. Yeah. To me, you got to get in front of the senior yeah. year of high school. And then the second thing is, I would take the redshirt year, and I'd go all the way back to something that Jimbo and I have talked about, and 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 I haven't talked to him recently, but I, I, let's do away with redshirt, and you have five years of eligibility to play five years. We all know, and nobody wants to admit it, but I'm on the faculty at Florida State. The average FSU student takes six years to graduate from college. Non-athlete student takes six years to graduate from college. Graduating in four years is not a reality any longer, right, wrong, or indifferent. So let's give the kids five full years. If they want to leave after their third year as a junior and declare for the draft, Let's do that. I'd also change the draft, by the way. I'd let them go into the draft if they didn't get that's, drafted that's or didn't where, like that's where, they where they I would start. That's where I would start on it. But but I would I would revamp the whole thing. Earlier signing period so that you can enjoy your senior year. Five years to play five. If you leave early, as long as you don't hire an, uh, 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 an agent, you can actually go into the draft, see where you got selected, pull yourself out. I realize well, that that's a problem for the end. That's even more progressive than where they are in college yeah. basketball, where exactly. you can test the waters, but you have to pull out before. Before the draft, and 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 let's make it as player friendly, high school senior and college player friendly as we can, and uh, then let that go for another five or ten years, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm not on board with the five to play five. Um, I'm not a hundred percent opposed. I guess I think where they're going right now, I like that first. I think what could happen on the five to play five is, for lack of a better term dead weight that's dead weight in year four and potentially is being asked to move along would definitely be getting asked to move along in year five there, there's that potential because another, you're gonna, another you're gonna, way of you're gonna go find a shiny new toy that's an incoming freshman another way of addressing it that, that may also need to be looked at is the scholarship limitation i mean maybe 85 is not the right number maybe 90 or 95 is the right number uh, but a combination of those things uh, I'll, I'll make those decisions when i'm king i'm just giving you my uh, platform now as we speak no that's that's good things and this is what gets kicked around in the silly season along with this team should move to this conference and the acc network's never coming and notre dame is going to join a conference and whatever else we have oh i got another one. Oh, this should be good spring football against opponents opponents you're not going to play travel back and forth two years gigs we haven't talked about this at least since the spring football game this year it would just make things so much more interesting in my opinion it i agree I agree. We need to we need to get some fancy collateral that spells out our whole platform here and mail it to people who might actually look at it. I do. How think, are we going to determine the second part? I, <laughs> well, that, that's a valid point. It's a valid point. I do think that one makes sense. Um, but we've we've beaten that we've beaten that horse a little bit. All right. So I think that's all we've got on uh, changes that are needed right now. Well, need to start Carlton and beginning of the year, uh, beginning of the well, game, and not wait, but. That horse died a few weeks ago on the show, so we, we haven't revisited that conversation. Oh, I'm king of football, not baseball. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, your fiefdom is restricted to the sport in which you played. Understood. My fiefdom as a non-former athlete extends to wherever you I have want, everything else, which is pretty much the way social media works. You can say anything to anybody at any time and hide behind the fact that nobody knows who you are. By the way, that's how you stall an airplane. You can stall an airplane at any altitude, any attitude, any power setting. Would you like to share the story no. about about your days trying to obtain your pilot license? No. There's another tease, folks, but he is still with us, so we do know that it had a happy ending ultimately. Coach Amy Bond will be with us, and we'll talk women's golf when we come back on the front row. 
the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the front row as we just chronicled with Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld. It is a busy time of year on the sports calendar uh, for collegiate athletics. Men's and women's golf in the postseason. Tennis just wrapped up. Softball is hosting regionals. Baseball has got its final series of the year and then the conference tournament. But we're going to focus our attention on women's golf right now with the ACC Coach of the Year, Amy Bond, who joins us. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Congratulations to you, and thanks for joining us on the uh, Earl Bacon Agency Hotline. Uh, you know, you're, you've been here several years, and, and I guess just backing up even further than that, you played at Florida State. So what, what kind of privilege, honor, thrill has it been for you to come back and coach at your alma mater now uh, for the past several seasons? You know, I am truly a blessed person. Um, there are very few people in the country that have the opportunity to come back and coach at their alma mater. So I feel like I am truly living a dream and loving every minute of it. Amy, I want to check the frequent flyer miles. I want to know what the balance is. Uh, we sit here and we look at this, <laughs> look at your roster. We got Finland, we got Poland, we got Switzerland. I didn't even know they could play golf in Switzerland. I thought it snowed 11 months out of the year. Uh, why the diversity and how has that diversity helped your program? You know, the the biggest thing with the diversity is um, with golf, as you know, we play all different kinds of grasses all over the country slash all over the world. So I needed a group that could really play in any conditions. And you talk about international players. When they come in, one of the biggest things they bring to a team is they have played on an international squad their entire life, um, which us as Americans don't get that opportunity. So they immediately come in and not only have team experience, but they also have a lot of match play experience. So they bring that, and that kind of bleeds into the American players. Plus, they bring their cultures. And I'm all about golf is one of those sports where you spend five hours on a golf course with somebody and really get to know them. So um, with our girls, we like to have a hodgepodge because they tend to get along really well and they learn a lot about each other. Um, and I get to go to some very extravagant places. I never get to see anything fun other than a golf course, but I get to watch some great golf uh, while I do it. So that's really why we do it, um, just to just try to build the, the best squad we possibly can. And sometimes that involves having a few internationals on our team along with some great uh, American players. Well, part of that hodgepodge this year that you didn't mention is that you have a very experienced team, which I would imagine as you get set to compete for a second straight year, I might add, in the NCAA championship finals, that uh, you would prefer that over inexperienced as you go in. You have to feel good about that. Most definitely. I mean, having having four of the five return uh, from last year that played in Oregon that finished 15th, I think is a huge advantage for us because uh, they know what to expect. And the four of them can basically tell the freshmen, hey, Amanda, this is what's going to happen today. This is what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we have a long week ahead of us, but they can kind of help her. Plus, things are always better once you've seen it, and it's not on paper anymore. So that experience that they gained from a year ago serves a huge purpose this week in that they can go in comfortable and just ready to play some golf and have some fun. 
Amy, Tom mentioned that the second consecutive year that your program has been in the finals. Uh, I'll remind our listeners that uh, your program has played in the NCAA tournament all seven years that you've been the coach. But one of the things our listeners may not be familiar with is how the format of the finals works. So put on your teaching hat 101 and 30 seconds or less. Tell us how this, this thing plays out. Should Florida State go all the way to the to the championship? Well, it's actually it's it's very interesting in that it's a format we don't play all year. Um, what happens at the national championship is we play. There's 24 teams. They're guaranteed. We're each guaranteed three rounds of stroke play. So we play 54 holes of stroke play, and then come uh, Sunday night, they will cut those 24 teams to the low 15 teams, and those 15 teams will get to play another round of stroke play on Monday, and you will basically race to what we call race to the eight and the best eight teams coming out of those four rounds of stroke play will have the opportunity to play match play um to make to make it to the basically national championship finals so stroke play all your strokes count the best four or five scores each day count from our players and then when you get to match play it's purely head-to-head and of our five players you got to win three matches and those matches are just purely head-to-head with another team. So our player has to beat another player um, through those 18 holes to, to basically win win the match. Um, so it's interesting, but it's a lot of fun. In, in match play, you don't ever know who's going to win. Uh, it's anybody's game at that point. So it's it's a pretty exciting format. It's just something that we don't do throughout the regular season well you you in fact scheduled a couple of match play tournaments this year that you you uh, did very well in we did um i just felt like again with this experienced group we needed to branch out and play a few match play events so we brought florida to tallahassee um florida is number four in the country we are number five so we brought them to tallahassee to to play and kind of more so for our American players than our internationals to get them used to playing a little match play. And then two weeks ago, we flew up here to Chicago to get on the grass and played a little quad match between Alabama, Northwestern, Duke, and ourselves. So I think that'll serve us well as we uh, continue through this long week of the national championship. And hopefully in the end, um, it bodes well for us. Just to uh, elaborate there, did you play the same course a couple of weeks ago that you're playing for this finals or just in the same neck of the woods and same grass? Just the same neck of the woods with the same grass. Um, we can't get on the national championship golf course um, starting August 1st of the year the championship is coming. So uh, we played a different golf course, but the grass was very similar. I will admit, sitting here right now staring at this beautiful Chicago weather, when we were here two weeks ago, it was about 30 degrees and windy, and currently it's 80 degrees. So I'll take this over two weeks ago any day. Well, and I'll be in Chicago next month, so I'm glad to hear that at least the temperature is trending north, as it should be at this time of year. <laughs> Coach, tell Thank us a, a little bit about uh, a couple of your stars. Uh, I mean, you've got you've got one senior in Matilda who's got seven wins in her career, and you've got another player uh, in Morgan who's got three wins this year, which I think is tied for a school record, and, and I'll let you uh, expound from there. Yeah, I mean, Matilda's going to leave. Um, she just graduated. Um basically last weekend, and uh, she's going to leave as the leader in career wins, along with many other records. Um, And Matilda has helped shape our program into what it is today. Um, She was probably the uh, highest-ranked player coming in that we've ever had, and she totally bought into what we were trying to do along with um, 
our three other seniors, and uh, they really helped change the dynamics of the program. So Matilda's kind of our leader um, on the golf course as far as shooting the numbers. And then you had Morgan to the mix this year who has gotten her first three career wins this year and got hot coming off of the World Am, and she just hasn't stopped. So we've got a great one-two punch along with three others right behind them that are constantly kind of right on their heels, ready to jump at any moment. So it's pretty exciting to have them as a one-two punch and have them have such a great year. They're going to have the opportunity to be All-Americans this year, which it's rare that you have two on your team that are All-Americans. But it's it's a pretty exciting time, and I'm very thankful to have both of them playing so well right now. Well, as Tom also mentioned, you're the uh, ACC Coach of the Year. Four of your ladies made all ACC. Uh, it's been a pretty eclectic uh, group that has performed very, very well this year. It's it's been uh, fun for those of us that we haven't been out there to watch, but we've we've been following on paper and on Seminoles dot com, and and the ladies have performed. There's no question. They definitely have. It it, it truly is a, a special group. It's been a special year thus far. And, you know, coaches were a little bit superstitious and, and things like that. But I'm, I'm really excited to see what this last week of the season has in store for us. Because at any given time, these five girls have really done what they've needed to do. They've each played number one at different times during the year, just like they've each played number five. And they've really become a family. And they've got each other's backs. So, um I can't say it enough that I'm I'm ready to get going this week. You know, we got another two days of, of waiting around, but um, it, it it could be pretty exciting. Well, Coach, your team finished 15th last year. Uh, the program's best finish was in 2010, and that was 10th overall. Your team's been in the top five, I think, all year this year. So best of luck uh, and, and have fun up there. Enjoy the experience and uh, and bring back some hardware. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. We're, we're trying to do the uh, – do the Seminole Nation and, and Florida State proud, so I can assure you that this is a great group that will represent us very well, and hopefully we will bring back some hardware. So thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Good luck. All right, thank you. Coach Amy Bond, the ACC Coach of the Year, former Florida State uh, golf star in, uh, in her seventh year as the women's golf coach at Florida State. Uh, things are, are going well across the board in Florida State athletics, and we will chat more about that uh, when we continue momentarily. But Keith is a uh, reminded me do you want to do the honors or no, should you i can do it. you can do it okay you need the point a little bit cl- two seconds earlier next time i'm trying he's working on it if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished go visit ron and his knowledgeable staff at cornerstone tool and fastener to get all your power tool needs two locations to choose from 1110 stuckey avenue and 3269 crawfordville highway call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu well done can i go to break now you may there's not a card for that nope all right, the front row's back after this. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. The front row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
That music can only mean one thing, Keith. We're close to the finish line. We got to figure out something to talk about for the next three minutes. Uh, what about what, no. what? What big, big story would we want to come out of Amelia Island that's new and exciting and different? I don't, I, to me, it's kind of nice to not have huge stories. That's out where of I was point. going. That's where I was going. The, yeah, the, the obviously, big topics obviously are, everybody will continue to worry about the ACC network until it launches. And when it launches, then people will say it's not as good as the SEC network. Or the SEC will have some other thing in addition to the network, another shiny new toy that the ACC will want. Or the ACC network was postponed appropriately I, I and ends up being marginally better than the corded versus the uncorded. I will say, Let's hope. Let's I hope. will say this, Keith, because the question gets asked, where does the bubble burst? Where does the rights fee bubble burst? Where, how do we stop expanding support staffs and building more buildings? Because at some point, you just got to stop the spending. And the answer has always been, well, it never stops as long as there are more money. I had this thought, and this would not be good for you or me as people who have made some income over the years broadcasting ACC games. If ESPN did completely dry up and have to close the doors and renege on all of its sports contracts, well, guess what? Every league would make a lot less money and they'd have to curtail the spending and there wouldn't be 42 support staffs at certain schools. Well, two things. Number one. I'm I'm not saying that I want that. I'm just saying that's the only answer I can come up with to where does it stop? As it relates to the support staff, what you're going to see there is legislation to control that. Just like you can have nine coaches on the field expanding to ten. And then what you're going to see is people with fancier, different names that are not addressed in the legislation. And I understand. Still support staff. There will always be creative minds finding ways around things. The second thing is if ESPN goes away, you and I may be able to revamp our television careers because the sun sports of the world may come back. Have you ever thought about that? I hadn't taken it that far. But somebody that just tuned in now thinks we're predicting ESPN is going away. So please go back, listen to more of the show. And how would you do that? You would go to the Audio Vault. You could go to iTunes. You are on your game today, and I clearly am not. Or you would you would download the, the, the app. There you go. There you go. All right, we're done. We'll do it again next week. Lord willing, he's Keith. I'm Tom. So long. 